0: Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages.
1: I wanna welcome each and every one of you back to our Miracle Series. We're in the third week now in this journey, and I hope that you are enjoying it. And if you're new with us We want you to know you can still jump in. Uh, Groups are forming and so we'd love to help you find a group. You can get a resource. Our team will be in the commons at all our locations to serve you and help you become a part of uh, this journey through miracles and the miracles of Jesus. And uh, I, I just also wanna take just a moment to celebrate what God's doing among us this weekend because I don't want us to miss the moment um, it's, it's it's more than just there's some of the most amazing people on the planet. I feel like I'm the most blessed pastor uh, with all of you, and, and, and God's given us some new space at our Keller campus, and uh, we have such an incredible worship team and small group leaders. There's a unique thing that God's doing in transforming the lives of people in our church right now, and uh, I've had the privilege of here at the Keller campus sitting all weekend and watching dads be baptized with their kids. That's not normal. That's not casual. Seeing dads go all in for Jesus, seeing moms, seeing children, young people. And so I I just want us to recognize that. I want us as a church to steward that. And uh, there's just moments sometimes where God's doing it in a unique way. And I just believe that he deserves the honor and the praise and the glory. Because if we're talking about miracles, There's never a greater miracle than when Jesus transforms the life of someone in their eternal future. Can we give God a round of applause for that? I wanna look in the camera, welcome our McKinney campus, our Hazlitt campus, all those joining us online. We're gonna jump right into this week's miracle. Actually, it's it's two miracles that are happening at the same moment, and yet I'm gonna focus on one of them and if you really look at the story that I want to tell you, the takeaway for me, uh, I studied this story as a kid, I, I, I then gonna, I'm going to in a moment take you to Israel, we're going to talk about it together and, and show you uh, some, some, some geography, if you will, in a place where some of this took place. But really for me, I began to think what this story is really all about is what do you do when you don't know what to do? There's a father, there's a daughter, there's no pain like kid pain. There's a woman who's had a long stretch of painful situation and finds herself in a a desperate spot, but what do you do when you don't know what to do? The Bible says to us, we see in the book of James, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. You know what I found in my own life that it seems so simple. If we'll just turn in God's direction, he'll move in hours. But I find when you're facing challenges and circumstances and the busyness of life and in the peaks and in the valleys, it's not always natural to draw near to God. I get introspective, I get a little contemplative, I can become self-sufficient, I can try to fix it on my own, I can look to resources around me, I can Pout, I don't know, maybe you guys are more spiritual. Maybe someone at a campus can find themselves like I do going, why is this happening to me? I didn't expect it to be this way. The fact of the matter is, if you felt that way, that doesn't make you weird, that just makes you human that we wanna withdraw. The psalmist David said, I was in distress and I called out to you, God, and you heard my cries. But why don't we call out more if we knew he would hear our cries? Why do we not move that direction? We just don't. The Apostle Paul said, I press toward this mark. I I keep pressing forward. It, It sounds so practical. It sounds so obvious. Keep moving forward. Press toward God. Draw near to God. But it's counterintuitive. It's opposite of how we naturally feel and how we naturally think. I find a lot of things with God is opposite of how you might feel, and the thing you need to do is the opposite of what you want to do. There's a lot of things in life that are a little counterintuitive. I've always been amazed by why do your feet smell and your nose run? (laughs) I know I had a counterintuitive moment in my early 30s. My hair started thinning. Person cutting my hair said, you know what you really need? You need to go less is more. Whoa, 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 less is less. Less is not more. So, when you're losing your hair, guys, this is a pro tip. Don't grow it longer because you look more bald. (laughs) Thin it out and just kind of mesh it together like Pastor JP. I'm just just kidding. It'll give you a little bit more length on what you're doing if you'll just kind of do a little move like that. Less is more. Wait a minute. Less is less. I thought about some phrases that we use in our culture that are kind of counterintuitive. Virtual reality, controlled chaos, working vacation, modern history, friendly fire, near miss, act naturally, pretty ugly. It's not easy to go against the grain, but I wanna show you the story of a woman that goes against the grain. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Actually, there's two stories happening. Let me give you a couple of characteristics of what's going on so you can kinda get your bearings for just a minute. The story that is woven together here is there's Jairus and his daughter, and then there's this woman. Jairus, interesting, because he is a, prominent figure and well-known in the community, so he has a need, and he's got a painful situation with his only daughter. She's 12 years old. I think it's interesting that the woman we're going to talk about has had a 12-year history of sickness. With Jairus, there's an urgent need, and with the woman, there's a, a chronic condition. In the story of Jairus, the, the father, on behalf of the daughter, He goes to Jesus and pleads for his help, but in the story of the woman, there's no one to plead her case. There's no one to ask for help on her behalf. Jairus, he falls at the feet of Jesus. He he comes in a demonstrative way, but the woman, her first reaction is just to try to pass by unnoticed. You say, why am I... Focusing on these things, well, I find it interesting, the weaving of the two stories. We're gonna look at the woman's story primarily, but for me, it still reminds me that no matter if you are prominent or on the margins, pain is an equalizer. Challenges are an equalizer. If you have access to lots of resources or no resources, either way, all of us face moments in life where only Jesus can help. Watch this story with me. So as we're journeying through this miracle series, one thing we've learned is that the miracles of Jesus validate, authenticate, not to Jesus, not to God that he is God, but it validated who he was to the people that were experiencing him. And because God loves us so much, he brings himself to us in a way that removes barriers for us. And yet also in the series, beyond the practical reason for miracles, the next thing that we have learned is, is that every time we connect to one of these practical situations to these real people, we see God's generosity, his compassion, his love for people that were on the outside. You know, a lot of people would think maybe only special people could get miracles or God's only able to connect with certain people. But just when you really study the miracles of Jesus, it's, it's God coming into the lives of everyday people, hurting people, broken people, and that's what brings us to this synagogue. Let me, let me catch you up for a moment to the timeline of what's been happening, and then I wanna take you to Luke chapter eight to read for a moment. But Jesus has taken the disciples across the Sea of Galilee. It's just right over my shoulder there. They've gone through the storm. He then ended up on the other side, and cast out the demons that were in a man, and they went into the pigs and off of the cliff, and then Jesus returns back to the crowd. He, he comes back to this region and area, and he comes to that crowd, and he finds some needs. I wanna give you a couple of miracles. They're, they're pretty mind-blowing, but they show God's generosity, love, and compassion, and, 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 and they're happening together. Now, another thing about miracles is we, 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 we would like to see a miracle. We desperately, if we have a challenge, want a miracle, but we don't wanna be in the place to be a candidate for a miracle because we don't like having needs and we don't like having challenges in our lives. Now, I wanna take you to a couple of miracles. I think it's interesting. I never saw this connection before one is the daughter the only daughter uh, of a jewish leader in the synagogue that's why i'm here in the synagogue in the region jairus 12 years old and then it's a woman who's had an issue with blood a medical condition for 12 years so one is a 12 year old kid and one is someone that's had an issue for 12 years. Let me catch you up to the 12-year-old daughter. When Jesus arrives there to the crowd, Jairus comes to him, he, he, he just demonstratively like lays himself out there to Jesus, he's desperate. Would you come and heal my daughter? You know, another thing about miracles is there's, there's always time with God. There's our need, there's our request, which God is never upset with, and then there's the time there's the waiting. None of us like to wait. It's not one of our top skill sets. But one thing I've learned is, is God doesn't show up in his timing and we don't have to wait because God wants to punish us, but it's in the waiting that he's doing something in us. And that happens in this miracle with the daughter. Jesus doesn't go as fast as they would want him to, but when he shows up to the house, they say, if you would have been here, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have happened this way. And of course, Jesus grabs her by the hand and he raises her from the dead. She she comes back to life, just like what we saw with the miracle with Elijah. It's 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 supernatural. It's miraculous. This Jesus has the miraculous power to bring life to death. He actually tells them though, he says, I, I want to make sure you don't tell anyone. He's like, Don't, don't, don't tell anyone about this because he recognizes that. Resurrection stories would accelerate even his own timeline. And, and yet I want to bring into the story that I'm 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 really amazed by, and I, I believe it's something you can connect to is the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years in, in one of the versions of the gospels it says she had spent everything she had. She had she had gone to every physician, and, and yet Jesus, her interaction with him has a A very unique story. I want to read to you her story, and then I want us to look at some thoughts about it that I think we can connect with. Luke chapter eight, I want to read it to you. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touch me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you, go in peace. Just the basic facts of this story and this miracle is mind-blowing for us. It makes us begin to think about our own needs and Jesus's power to heal. But when we actually understand the context from which it happened, it even has more meaning to us in emotion. Because see, this bleeding issue would have made her unclean. She probably hasn't been to the temple in all of those 12 years. She's infertile, which puts her in another place within her society and culture. And and just think of the shame and the isolation and the separation that she had experienced. And so she presses in, she presses in, she knows that he would be unclean if she touches him. And so she just reaches to touch his garment. You know, God, we tried to show you as well in this miracle series that we're not trying to put human strength and and, and our own willpower, and, and, and you didn't do it right or put condemnation on people regarding God's miracles. But what we do see in this is this story that, that Jesus is not against our pressing in. He's, he's never going to hinder us from our desire to press in, to reach out to him. But here's the part of the story that I want us to be encouraged by. Only place in the gospels, he calls her daughter. He calls her daughter, and in most versions, it says you've been made well or made whole. So the relational language of that, she's no longer defined by that shame or the ailment or the isolation that wants to keep her seeing herself that way. She's now defined by Jesus. And then he tells her to go in peace. I want us to really think about this miracle and its impact on our own lives then, in our most desperate of situations, really both of these miracles with the daughter and the woman, that God sees us and comes to intervene in our circumstances in supernatural ways to bring His power and His glory. see the Bible story and it's rich, it it stretches our thinking and so you you see it, now you understand the story, But, but here's what's important about reading the Bible is to say, God, what are you saying to me? So I wanna spend our last few moments because I believe though we could all read this and think that is such an out of the box type of story and situation, we could easily dismiss ourselves from what god is wanting to say to us in fact just at a basic level there's a woman she's in the middle east she lived in ancient times she had a 12-year bleeding issue i don't think the majority of the people that i'm speaking to this weekend can relate to a lot of that so we're we're sitting there looking at this and saying okay what what can we relate to well I think we can all relate to feeling far from God. I think we can all relate to I'm in the middle of this, does God see me? Is God connected to what's going on? In fact, when I set out on this miracles series journey and began to, you know, take these major miracles of Jesus, it's almost like every week you know it's it's interesting when you study the Bible and you preach the Bible you have thoughts about things that you feel like God's wanting you to say but then as you begin to see it it unpacks what God's saying and I want to tell you God keeps saying over and over in these miracles if you feel far from me that's a human feeling but you don't have to be far from me you don't have to do it by yourself You don't have to think that you're the only one that can fix it. We all though have felt far from God, felt like someone else that's more connected or more spiritual or more special knows how to get connected to God, but I don't. We feel like we're bothering God. See, she was just gonna pass by unnoticed and say, look, I'm not worthy of connecting with him. We all feel sometimes, man, am I bothering God or am I deserving of this? We wonder if we've missed our chance we we wonder a lot of times because we kind of put this together with that and you know if i would have done it then and if this person would have connected to that if i knew this then i might have made a different decision and we look back on life a lot of times and have a lot of regret saying i think maybe i missed my chance she had exhausted everything we we could feel like she did we've done everything we know how to do and it still isn't working You can have situations in your life where you feel like I've tried everything, it's still not working and as I mentioned, we all relate to the waiting. We all relate to when will God or will God show up in this situation? Did you know there's actually a Bible verse that talks about waiting on the Lord and when we hear the word waiting, we just think time. But biblically speaking, waiting is not just you sitting separate from God and hoping he comes. Actually, the whole concept of waiting is to be intertwined and connected with him and a part of the journey with him. But waiting's not easy if you're waiting for a spouse or you're waiting to get pregnant or you're waiting for a healing or you're waiting for a kid that's far from God for their hearts to change or you're waiting for the next thing God has for you. It's not easy to be in the place of waiting. But what we see is is that God comes into all of those circumstances and situations. I have the opportunity to see it from my vantage point in relationships with people, and that's what's so moving about when we get a chance to see God show up in the lives of real people. That's why baptisms are so moving. When I think about a simple guy seeing a billboard and his entire family was baptized, you know, I think about God encountering a family, a human being, seeing that, it's amazing to me. We had our 101 here a couple of weeks ago, our first step in our grow track, and it was the largest group that we've ever had, and so I stood shaking hands, and from my vantage point, what's so moving, I walk away from that encounter with people coming, and I'm always just, just struck by the fact that Jesus is still going to people that are out in the margins and are wondering if he sees them, and he's still doing it today. He's still doing it. Don't, don't, don't think he's not. He is still today going to people like this woman and moving in their lives. That's such an amazing thing to me still. There was a, a, a couple that their lives have been transformed. In fact, there was people waiting and they just said, I, I just wanna say one thing the husband did. The wife had been crying. Their whole family's been changed. And the husband said to me, thank you for this being. He's thanking me, but it's really about you and all of us. Thank you for creating an environment that's safe, that's transparent, that's warm, that's open. I had no idea that it would be like that, but that gave me the opportunity to be in a place where I didn't think you had to have it all figured out or know everything about the Bible so that I could actually come to Jesus. I walked away thinking it's so important. It's so important that we actually relate to people like Jesus related to people, and, and it was amazing to see his transformation. There was another gentleman, I don't know, in upper 60s or so, He said, I've tried all these different church experiences and you know, people that think they're smarter and this and that and all these versions and stuff. And he said, here's the deal. I've tried everything. I'm just looking for help. And he said, when I came here, I felt God. I, I experienced God. God and the warmth of who he is. And so I'm telling you, that God may look different and Jesus may be different than what you may have seen portrayed in your life, but I'm telling you, he's still doing what he did in the life of this woman. Now, let's make it real practical because I believe that this story, though it has all these elements, I think there's something to say to all of us. I wanna give you two thoughts. What do you do when you don't know what to do? We're all going to face that situation, that crisis, that medical thing, that situation in our family. And so you need to be equipped and prepared or for some of you that are in that place, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, you do what this woman did. She pressed into Jesus instead of moving away from him. She pressed into him. She pressed past the crowd. There's this giant crowd of people. Jesus is like, who touched me? The disciples are like, who touched you? Everybody's touching you, Jesus. She said, he said, no, 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 no. That touch was different. There was a different touch. Why? It was in her desperation. It was in her dependency. Her touch was different because she was coming to him as the sole source who could help her. It was a different touch. In today's world that we live in today, it's very normal for us to think about Us fixing our problems. Us solving our situations. Did you know the number one best-selling content in our world, if any bookstore, any online bookstore, any podcast, is self-help. $13.2 billion of this we buy and absorb every year. Self-help. It even leaks into our Christian dialogue. I hear Christians and pastors say, you just need to forgive yourself. If someone could forgive themselves, they already would have. The reason that we need a savior to forgive us is you can't forgive yourself. You need to be forgiven. We tell our kids, you need to have a high, you know, get, get good self-esteem. Have self-esteem. I, I was talk, dialoguing with one of my children to be unnamed this week. <laughs> Friends, and she said, and they said. and I wanna tell you something, parents right here. We have a generation, we were all a little bit concerned with what our friends thought, this generation consumed. The worst thing that you could ever have is somebody that's your friend, think you are something different. Let me tell you, parenting here, we don't want our kids to get a higher self-esteem. Because the Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Yet not I live, but Christ now lives on the inside of me. My identity is not in what my influencers online think about me or anyone else. My identity is in the one who can save me, heal me, bring his power into my life. It's a high Christ esteem. I have my esteem in Christ. I had a guy the other day tell me, I'm a self-made man. I said, why'd you make yourself like that, bro? Self-help, no, what is this saying? It contradicts the cultural viewpoint that says God helps those who help themselves. God doesn't help those who help themselves. God helps those who are completely dependent on his help. And so this woman shows us, press past the crowd just to touch his garment. Here's the second one, refuse. Somebody right now going through a challenging situation, refuse to let your circumstances change how you see God. There's something that happened right here in this moment that's so powerful in that she became well. This word sozo, this salvation that's more than just going to heaven, this things being made right in not only her body but in her soul and in her psyche and a healing that was holistic that took place in her life. And what I found, and I'll give you a little inside thing pastorally, the last three or four years, this has been a new revelation to me. It's been a, a new thing that has just, just just really become real to me. I've spent 30 years preaching messages. I, I've, I've done Easter's, a lot of Easter, a lot of Christmas. And about two or three years ago, I started honing in on what I believe to be a couple of barriers that keep people from reaching for Jesus. One is... What will my family say? What would, what, I don't wanna disrespect my family, my heritage. You know what, that's in the context of the Bible over and over. I, I don't wanna disrespect my heritage, my family, or people that know me, I don't know, what would they say if I go all in with Jesus? Did you know what I found a second one is? And I should, again, I should know this, but I know it deeper the last few years. I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to said, I had a painful situation in my life. I had a hurt with church. I had a hurt that took place in my family. Most of the time, a a parent, my dad let me down, my mom let me down, I had this pain, I had a physical ailment, I had a kid, I had a divorce, and I didn't know how to process it, and I began to say, well, if God's not there to help me, then I'm just gonna do it on my own. I don't need that. I don't need what you're talking about, preacher, because the God you're talking about doesn't really help people Anyway, and what happens is the enemy lodges in the soul of a human that belief system and it creates a barrier and it gets you to be going, I'm going to continue to look to myself and I'm going to figure it out on my own and all that's just psychological garbage and babble and, and I'm going to handle this myself. You know what's so amazing about this woman? 12 years. 12 years of pain, 12 years of exhausting everything she had, 12 years of being ostracized and pushed to the margins, and she's still pressed in. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, and what's powerful is what Jesus said, she's unclean, she didn't wanna embarrass herself or bother him, she didn't think she was worthy of his time or his attention, she just wanted to pass by, but she said, if I just touch his cloak, and this is, this is the most powerful part of the passage, Jesus turned to her and saw her. He saw her and he said, take heart, daughter, you have been made well. I wanna hone, hone in on that word, daughter. Could be son, could be daughter, what is it? It's a term that's never, this is big. Never used in the Bible, never used by Jesus. Only in this moment does he say, daughter, what's happening there? He's reshaping her identity, her view of herself, her view of him, how she sees him. Daughter, what daughter? What a powerful term. I know how powerful it is, because I have three of them. And I know how important it is to say, You're beautiful. You got what it takes. Don't compare yourself. You're my daughter. You're my daughter. I know how powerful it is. I know what in this moment, how overwhelming that could be. See, she went in that moment from unclean woman to beloved daughter. What a powerful transformation that took place. I think about my daughter, Lauren, we went to a camp. They did an exercise and took us into a remote place and their instruction was go find an area and look at one another in the face for three minutes. And you think, man, that seems like a little simple gesture. It should be pretty easy. It's actually quite awkward. You sit for 30 seconds and you're like, okay, don't say anything, just look at each other. But you know what, when I saw her in that moment, it it was transformative in our relationship. I saw the things she was struggling with, I saw her insecurities. We have a little thing we do, she and I, every text, every phone call, I tell her, you're an awesome daughter. But I didn't realize, I knew she needed to hear that from me. I didn't realize how powerful it is to me when she says, and you're an awesome dad. There's never a time we talk where you're an awesome daughter and you're an awesome dad. Even when she was at the Baylor game last night and the devil was robbing us. (laughs) We're getting killed, dad, but you're an awesome dad. It's a powerful, powerful thing. It's what we all experience here at the Keller campus, and I know at all the campuses, we're seeing people baptized, but watching dads get baptized with their families, watching Pastor Ty Spinella tell his daughter, you're the greatest encourager that I've ever met. There's power in those words. There's power in that affirmation, but we can all receive it from Jesus. I wanna show you a little story and an an illustration of Jesus still touching people who see unseen. Jesus still moving in the lives of some little people in our community that are walking through a real struggle. And it's because of who you are and your generosity, we're able to create moments like this where Jesus shows people that he sees them and he's in it with them. Watch this with me.
0: Years ago, we saw a part of our community that had a unique struggle. So we wanted to uplift, encourage, and bring hope to these kids and their parents. So we created our annual fairy tale ball. I often get the opportunity to serve kids and families, but I couldn't do it without the loving generosity and support of our Milestone family. Tonight is a night where, as a church, we are all in the room.
2: Evelyn is our third baby girl. Evelyn, by the grace of God, will be two in December. She has an extra copy of her 18th chromosome. It is like Down syndrome, but the complications are significantly more worse. The probability of these children making it to the first year of their life is five to 10%. So this is Evelyn. Once we got Evelyn, it was a lot of surrendering um, what family was supposed to look like. If we have 10 minutes together, those are gonna be really fun, 10 intentional minutes together. I'm not having to think about this medication, this admission, okay, what's my appointment for tomorrow? Do we have this stuff squared away? It's just nice to just, okay, I didn't have to feed you guys today. You didn't eat frozen pizza tonight. You actually got a nice meal. Like, so it's it's nice to just not have to worry about anything, but just being here. There is no shortage of joy when we're here. To walk here this year and have someone pray over us was absolutely incredible. It's an opportunity for us to feel something other than the reality of our situation. Thank you for this blessed time for me and my family because
0: it's so hard to live with a handicapped baby all the time, Is hospital appointment and everything and take this time for me and for my family and for other family. We're here uh, on this special night uh, because of our daughter, Macy, who a few years back was diagnosed with severe epilepsy and battled that for about a year and a half, almost two years before uh, going and and having a surgery that that has uh, kept her seizures at bay now for a little over a year and a half. Pre-surgery, you know, there wasn't 10 minutes where she didn't have five seizures. We made the hard decision as parents for her to go have uh, surgery. We had the surgery, and she came out the other side. And by the grace of God, she didn't. She didn't have seizures after that. We had a one-month checkup with her doctors, and both her surgeon and her Jeez. neurologist yeah. uh, looked us straight in the eye and said, "Something more is at work here. This wasn't just us." What
2: What we've been through.
0: Fifth, it's yeah. Blessed beyond words and it's been a you know it, to be where we are compared to where we, we have been. We pray and, and Macy and the other kids, it's just been uh being at milestone and, and the kids being here and, and our whole family. It's just it changes the way you look at life. Milestone Church, thank you for your hearts toward those in need. Thank you for always being open-handed with what God has given to you so that we can generously give to those in need. We are so blessed to make an impact in these families' lives. Thank you.
1: I'm gonna ask if you would just stand on your feet and just ask for no one to move around for just a moment, every campus, wherever you're at. I wanna pray for you because I want this message from the scriptures about this woman to, to really move us to action. So I just want us just to bow our heads for a minute. Maybe you're a person who you've relied on yourself, but you didn't know that Jesus sees you and Jesus is calling you into a relationship with him. There's a physical healing in this story, but there's a spiritual healing. She was made well. There's a a wellness that comes to your soul that can only come from Jesus. So I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm asking you, are you right with Jesus? Do you know him in a personal way? If you don't know him, you can right now. You can just simply say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. You know what I've done, you know where I've been, but I accept you today as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I accept you into my life Like we saw in these testimonies, I'm all in with you. You just say it to him. And the confession of your mouth there with Jesus, the Bible says you shall be saved. And I'm gonna ask you if you prayed that prayer with us to let us know. It's very important that you don't just keep that to yourself. You come to Discovery 101. Come forward at the end of the service. Tell someone in your small group so that we can help you now in that journey. But second of all, I wanna pray for all of us. I wanna pray right now, maybe for someone in a crisis or in a circumstance, but that this this message from God to us would move in our hearts in such a way that it moves us to action. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would help us when we feel like pulling away to press into you. Lord, let us take steps towards you. It's counterintuitive, we don't wanna do it, we don't feel like we're worthy to do it, but Lord, I pray every person here would move forward in what you've called them to do. Maybe one of you out there right now, you need to take a step, come to our grow track, go to a small group, step out, pray for a friend, reach out to someone, whatever that step is, press past the crowd and just reach for his cloak. Jesus, we ask you for the grace to take the steps that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen